out regularly it's what separates your stuff from the uh from everybody else how do i print by the way uh and how do i pronounce your last name yeah uh sperber sperber okay so like i've been doing like i'll do radio hits here and there like (laughs) like, who who do you think is a good college basketball follow i've been calling you (laughs) sperber for like four months <laughs> it, it gets butchered a lot the last name for sure jordan sperber all yes. right all right sir um i don't drive a lot of podcasts so this might be sloppy so i apologize in advance nah, i can relate i can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right i'm gonna do a five second pause Hey everybody, welcome to the Podcast of Enchantment. My name is Joseph Nardone. Today I'm joined by Hoop Vision founder, Jordan Sperber, who I normally pronounce his name wrong whenever I'm talking about him to somebody else. Uh, Jordan, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on, Joseph. And uh, I, I've listened, I feel like you have a couple of different podcasts going on and, and I've listened to them in the past. So uh, I know your voice for sure and I'm, and I'm uh, excited to be on. You should be a little scared because now there's nobody here to check my brand. My brand's very strange and uh, different. <laughs> um, like you, one of the podcasts I do with Blake Lavelle, he keeps me in check. The podcast I do with Jared Mintz, he keeps me in check. Uh, otherwise, I'm always off the rails. And we're going to start with off the rails. Like We're going to start right off the bat. So most of the people that are coming here to listen, either you're from my subscriber base or, or a fan of Jordan's. And I'm assuming Jordan has a lot more fans than I. So that's where the majority of the listeners are coming in. But to get to know Jordan a little bit, we're going to do a little rapid-fire uh, question thing that has nothing to do with college basketball. Jordan, are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right, would you rather die by fire or drowning? Oh, man. Uh, this isn't rapid-fire. Uh, okay, rapid-fire. Well, you fire. can expand on it. You can expand <laughs> on the answer. I just say it rapid. I don't know why I call it rapid-fire, but, yeah, you can expand on your answer. No, I, I've listened to this segment and thought, like, oh, I – I'm not cultured enough with uh, non-basketball opinions to uh, to do this, but let's. I I, I think uh, I think by fire mostly because I can more picture drowning in my head. That doesn't seem good. No, and then like in theory, the fire maybe the smoke gets you first, and you just die peacefully. There, there you I guess. go. Drowning seems terrifying. Uh, your next question: You only get to meet one or the other. One or the other. Would you rather meet a ghost or an alien? And then why? Uh, well, I don't believe in ghosts, uh, but I believe in aliens, or I think it's pretty likely that the, that they're out there, right? In in one of these uh, infinite galaxies, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I would say I would say aliens. Yeah, mathematically speaking, there has to be until if if the universe the universe is infinite, um, it's almost stupid to believe we're the only ones. Um, if th- this is a follow up question to the alien answer. Um, assuming you were to meet an alien that, you know, not by choice, they came to visit us. Do you think they'd come in peace or do you think they'd try to, you know, take our resources and murder us? <laughs> I'll be optimistic on this one. I mean, why, why haven't they come already and tried to, and tried to murder us, I guess. If, if, maybe, if they, maybe they were waiting for us to do it ourselves because we're doing a pretty good job of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your, uh, what's your favorite movie ever? favorite movie ever i the fact that my mind is so blank and uh can get give a uh, uh appreciation for how little movies i watch i'll go with i'll go with goodwill hunting goodwill hunting um that is uh not that it's an old movie um but it is slightly older have you watched a movie since then 
(laughs) (laughs) I have not. Actually, I watched the Breaking Bad movie in probably the last, like, year. That's probably the only movie I've watched, which was Netflix and is off a TV show. I I watch a decent amount of TV shows, but almost no movies. No movies. Well, then I guess I have to follow up. What's your favorite TV show, then? Like, right now, like, if you're watching any, I know you're, it's the middle of college basketball season, so you're busy, but, like, if, maybe the last show that you're really into. Well, uh, I think I've seen you tweet about this, so, uh, I'm not watching it, I really, like, for the five months of college basketball season, it's pretty wild how much everything gets put on the back burner, but I like Mr. Robot, and I know it's in its final season, and I'll be watching it, and in uh, may instead of sleeping like john (laughs) (laughs) that show is so good i might do my next newsletter just about that television show because i didn't love the like the seasons in between the first and this last one but like this season like there's three all-time great episodes um are you a breakfast breakfast lunch or dinner guy uh breakfast if i'm at a breakfast or a brunch spot that you know like a diner or something that has that has breakfast on the menu even if it's lunch or dinner i'm probably getting breakfast what do you get usually like whatever the basic like two eggs potatoes and like a meat or whatever like the everyone calls it something different the basic breakfast or the supreme breakfast or something (laughs) something like that (laughs) i like how you call like a meat or whatever like it's not like a specific kind of meat it's just like a meat or whatever i mean uh yeah so i'm i'm a corned beef hash enthusiast but not not every diner has that all right i don't know what you look like jordan so if this question is uh, offensive to you, I apologize. Rate your own set of hair from one to ten. Uh, I got a haircut yesterday, uh, so relevant question. I don't know. Uh, I'd say a five, dead average. Five. How old are you? I'm 26. And you have a full set of hair still, I assume. Yeah, I for, fortunately I do. All right. Well, listen, I'm older than you by like almost a full decade. Uh, most of my friends are bald. <laughs> Um, I, I'm going to ask this question to everybody that comes on because a lot of people will be closer to my age, I guess. And I still have a full set of hair, and I like to rub it in, you know, on my friends' faces that they're going bald. Um, so because it's the only thing; it's my one redeeming quality, you know. <laughs> All right, so that's the rapid-fire uh, segment where Jordan and I got to embarrass him a little bit by asking him dumb questions. So we're going to get into some normal stuff here. Uh, Jordan, for those unaware, somehow unaware, he has Hoop Vision HQ. It's what it's, it's my favorite in-depth basketball newsletter. It's on Substack. Uh, Jordan, why don't you tell people a little bit how it started? Like, you know, like your background a little bit. It's not like you just randomly one day go, you know what, I'm going to do these really big in-depth breakdowns. You didn't come out of nowhere necessarily. So, like, what happened? How did this get started? Yeah, it's probably an even longer process than than uh, some people might realize. I hoop vision started when I was 16, I think, in in high school. It was uh, hoopvision.blogspot.com, <laughs> and I pretty well. I, I it's a a cliche story uh, in terms of get like getting into sports analytics. I read Moneyball, and I was a big baseball fan, big Yankee fan at the time but a bigger basketball fan so 
Finally, I found basketball on paper. I found the APBR metrics message board, uh, which has a lot of the the NBA analytics guys still um, uh, partake in that. And I took like an AP statistics class. And so all of a sudden, uh, I, I had always been really just a basketball fan. I wanted to work in basketball. Uh, not necessarily analytics, uh, but that was that all of a sudden became a way to uh, to I guess get my name out there a little bit. Well, ironically, I didn't put my name anywhere to start with because I didn't want anyone to know I was in high school. Um, but but yeah, so uh, in college was when I got a little bit of traction in terms of uh, people reading. It was still a, a very small following, but. That was when a couple D1 coaches uh, started started reaching out to me, and after I graduated college, those were the two the, the first two D1 coaches to reach out ended up hiring me. I worked for a year as a graduate assistant at Nevada University of Nevada for Eric Musselman, and then uh, two years as video coordinator at New Mexico State for Paul Weir for a year and Chris Jans for for the year after that. Uh, and I think that at that point, after those three years doing a lot of scouting and video and X's and O's work, I was always very into that type of stuff. But when I first started Hoop Vision in, in like high school, I probably was pretty bad at it. I, uh, like in terms of just barriers of entry, I think analytics was easier or statistics were, was a little bit easier right away. Uh, and so then when I, I left New Mexico State, I guess now I had kind of both the the video and the analytics side um, to uh, to to relaunch Hoop Vision, basically. Well, what made you decide? All right, I'm going to step away from being directly involved with, you know, basketball programs. Like obviously, like those are some really really good coaches that you worked for or with. I don't want to say for, but with. Um, what made what was this decision to go? You know what? I'm going to step away from this and focus on Hoop Vision. Yeah, so it was it was it was something that I considered. I think all three years uh, after after the season, I almost did it the the year before, um, and wound up. I, I left New Mexico State for the summer and uh, did this data science program. And and Coach Jans, I, I really uh, enlist enrolled in the program, not expecting to that. Coach Jans would would let me come back. It's not usually how it works in college in college basketball, where you can just leave for a summer. Uh, but fortunately, he he gave me that opportunity, and really enjoyed working for him that year. We went to the NCAA tournament. It's always fun when you win. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's definitely a grind the the coaching industry. So so there's that, and I just found that it's it might not be worth it if you don't know that you're 100% committed to sticking it out for 10 or 20 years uh, to, you know, try to become a head coach or an associate head coach or, or just, you know, advancing in the, in the profession. And uh, so that was, that was kind of uh, the, the reason for it. And then also I thought that restarting Hoop Vision would potentially – it would it would enable me to network and kind of like build uh, my profile a little bit if I wanted to get back into coaching, um, which 
is probably less the case now that uh, now that the business side of things has has gone pretty well. But um, that was at the time that was uh, a thought in my mind too. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's, the uh, the commitment thing. I don't think people realize every time I do a feature on a coach, like when I interview a coach for like I, I like doing origin story stuff. Like, where did you come from? What did you do? Like, I've talked to Jay Young or Jamie Dixon or uh, Jeff Bowles, John Becker from Vermont. And um, very few exceptions. They've all taken... Jeff Bowles was sweeping gyms in Division Two basketball for a while. Or uh, John Becker was a computer science teacher and a tennis coach. Do you know what I mean? Like, to, to supplement their income while trying to navigate, you know, their destination of becoming a head coach head coach in division one basketball <laughs> so you st- you go back uh you re you rekindle uh hoop vision and then you start gaining like i i can only speak from when i started really noticing you uh, i forget like what person's tweet i saw or whatever but i remember somebody be like hey you have to check this out i checked it out and it immediately was like this is different than anything anybody else is doing um especially at the college basketball like in college basketball media where it's mostly narrative heavy so you get back you start doing all these things you start i feel like maybe for you it doesn't feel like you gain traction quick but from from the outside it did what was the next step for you like you so you restart it you you announce the world hey this is what i'm doing and then before you even did hoop vision uh plus how like you're going through all this and when did you did you ever feel in the moment like hey this is this is actually going to work yeah so uh, you you mentioned how it might not have felt like an overnight thing and that that is right we were talking about that a little bit before we started recording uh but there was the the initial announcement for for like the launch of hoop vision which was at that time a YouTube channel, which the YouTube channel still exists. It's it's not, kind of not like the the point of emphasis of uh, of the business at this point, but it was a YouTube channel, a podcast, solving basketball, which which also uh, still exists. And I guess those were the two the two big things. And that little announcement was in. Um, I want to say October of uh, you know two like two before last season and it did that there was a bunch of traction there so at the time my idea was going to be to pick just one team this is what I was going to do for the season it was going to be to pick either Duke Kansas or Kentucky were the three that I was still trying to mull over and cover one of them exactly like I would have at New Mexico State like how I did for for NMSU um and so that that was the that was the concept and wasn't exactly sure how to monetize that necessarily but uh it was it was to let's say I picked Duke obviously knew that they were going to be a popular team that year with Zion and RJ uh I could get some NBA draft coverage out of it I could get some very specific Duke stuff they were going to play all these ACC teams so I could do their opponents and that was the idea and then when I I didn't say that in my initial tweets and the national media um, a, a, a lot of uh, and, and a lot of people in the coaching world were interested in in that little announcement and it did 
kind of start to seem like this it would be too limiting just to to do one team that I was going to try to cover. I would like to say every team, but there's 353 teams <laughs> in college basketball and uh, and what it's really come down to at this point with Hoop Vision is that I probably cover about 10 to 20 teams in like pretty good depth and then I'll do one-off tweets about everyone else and you never get to all 353 but it's getting up there i think it's in the triple digits at least for uh if you count like just little one-off tweets all right so you mentioned the business side how you make money um for those unaware like non-industry people i don't know i I feel like this will be an industry heavy listen but it's very hard to make money especially if you're not backed by you know like a actual company um, like myself, I try to do an independent venture. I'm not a business person. I failed uh, because I'm not a business person. So what was the, for you, um, I know there's somebody else involved. So how did that line up? If you want to tell that story, it lined up yep. with somebody else that was maybe more equipped to handle, help you build it where it could be an actual, you know, uh, I don't want to say like a company because it's not like you're you're a guy, you're a person, you're not a company. I don't want to make you an inanimate object, but to make it into a business where you could actually, uh, you know, make money off of your work. Yeah. Uh, so the, the the person that you're referencing there, Edgar Walker, at the time he was working for uh, Bleacher Report, actually doing analytics um, on their, I think mostly on their app, the Bleacher Report app. Um, and he, he, uh, he left Bleacher Report, but he does still help uh, with with Hoop Vision and his probably biggest influence. And I mean, that's he's he's influenced a lot of different things, but the biggest one was the push for the newsletter, which um, I know I, th- I think this is for, and, and that you're getting into even more now. Um, so I had actually talked to Edgar. I, I started a coaching analytics newsletter while I was at New Mexico State, and it had a small little following. I just didn't really have time to to do it too much. I probably did like five or six editions, and I actually was pretty convinced when I started it that it was going to lead me to an, a, the next coaching job, just uh, through the networking and stuff. But it was really hard to do during the season, and uh, and it was definitely geared towards coaches. Uh, I guess some might argue that the, that the newsletter is still geared towards coaches, but this this was much more. Um, and and yeah, uh, so I didn't really have any plans to bring that back. I was like I said, I was more locked in on YouTube and uh, and the podcast and Edgar. Uh, was was kind of bugging me about the newsletter quite a bit, and I was saying no. I was saying no. There's there's a couple other people. Jared Morris, uh, who is the guy behind the Assembly Call, he was big on the newsletter, and and I was kind of stubborn about it. And then finally, Edgar was like, "Well, I'll I'll write it," <laughs> uh, and so I was like, "Oh, okay, uh, that, that that might work." <laughs> and so yeah, I mean, it, he was doing most of the heavy lifting. Uh, in the beginning and pretty much requesting certain things from me to, to make it slightly better. Like, okay, can you give me two games of the week and a little bit of analysis for it? And, uh, and yeah, it, as, as the, the season progressed, I probably did more and more. 
and now it's like the primary thing is is uh it's not weekly anymore the the friday edition is uh always free and it's kind of what it was last year but now there's also um a weekly monday uh newsletter called the starting five for for subscribers and then i at least uh send out one more during the week uh so you know there's quite a bit of content there and it's been the step towards uh, basically making money through the audience as opposed to uh, advertising or or you know some type of company and that is I guess the trend a little bit in in media you, you'd probably know better than me on that well, I, I mean I wish I did maybe I wouldn't have been laid off 50 <laughs> times from this industry <laughs> if I knew anything I was gonna say I know from my own experience so I mean, for those unaware, I've been employed by like 9,000 different outlets, Cox Media, FanRag Sports, when that was still a thing, uh, whatever, right? Um, launched my own venture, thought we were doing well, actually, like traffic-wise, and I made some bad business, I put, I hired the wrong bad, like the wrong business person to help me oversee it, and it cost me money, and then I started losing money. But, so now like I do stuff for Forbes, and I freelance, and uh, I was talking to Kelly Dwyer, who also on Substack, he's uh, the second arrangement, used to be at Yahoo, one of yep. the original godfathers of, of blogging, really. Um, and I'm like, listen, I, I, I'm i trying to figure out like a place where I could put like my non-traditional uh, writing, um, because, you know, I want to expand on, you know, not just college basketball, I, I like writing about pop culture and uh like I like I'm a wannabe fiction writer and all these things. Like I want to I want to be able to toy with stuff, but not toy with it. You know, like where I'm trying to alienate my audience. He's like, well, you know, I do Substack. You really like the lay. I really like the layout. All this stuff. Uh, you can build a communal feel. You can really you know get creative and try things there. And you know, if people want to be there, they'll be there. And if they don't want to be there, they don't have to be there. Um, I had my own subscriber list from CBB Today, so I moved that over, I did the introductory post, hey, it's me, if you want to unsubscribe, because it's technically slightly a different different newsletter than you were getting, um, we're going to try some things, and we're only, like, I'm only going to do like one post a week, longer, it's going to be college basketball heavy in the front, and then it's going to be whatever I want in the back end, we're going to be doing this podcast uh, once or twice a week, uh, I have other guest lines up lined up and then we're going to try to do one of those thread things but what i liked about substack is uh the communal feel of it where i always leave i'm i I always like as if my newsletter's been alive for months it's only been alive for like two weeks um leave at the bottom is like hey you know email me if you have questions comments or concerns i've gotten more emails in the last week i think than i've ever gotten my entire career just because of the feel of it feeling like you know like everybody's in it together have you gotten that sense yeah i definitely agree with that i think substack and and newsletter newsletters in general you definitely get a lot of replies um and 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 a, a sense of community uh they they also have comments uh on there which which uh and, and threads i think the the even building out that community a little bit more is something that we are that we have definitely thought about um the the part of the issue is that um there there are so many coaches subscribed to hoop vision and they are 
by nature going to be lurkers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're the... Uh, Whatever D one head coaches signed up, you know he's not going to be on the on the threads giving his opinion. On <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. All of a sudden, you see the he forgets to change his username and that he's waiting <laughs> the on burner. something. Yeah, the burner. <laughs> I can imagine that the thread things. I find really. I haven't used it yet. That, but the fascination of you know, like I like the idea of transparency with readers, listeners, all that other stuff. Where you don't want to be above your audience you want your audience to feel a part of the creation of the content or whatever you want to call it i like the idea that substack allows it where you could directly interact with people if you want where it's separate from twitter because twitter is such a uh it's hard to have nuanced conversations on twitter because you only have so many characters and not everybody's there for the right i don't it's toxic twitter is toxic but what your own newsletter you're kind of shaping it where you're creating the environment you want there. And the people that want to be there want to be there. They're not coming to like hoop vision to yell at you. They're coming there because they already are invested <laughs> in your work. So they're there for earnest, good faith conversations. You know what I mean? That's, I think that's the, for me, that's the appeal of the newsletter where I might write something where whatever. And if I was to put it on Twitter, I might get blowback or whatever. And maybe some of it's deserved, right? But the the conversation I can have on Twitter isn't the same I can have on Substack because whoever has already subscribed to us is there for us. So we know they're there in good faith. And I think there's something to be said for that. Now, I do want to pivot here into some what-if scenarios with you. Um, so the industry is weird. You're not a traditional journalist. I would consider you a journalist of sorts because you do, we talked about this off here, I believe, where, you know, you're doing a lot of you know, scouting of videos to watch, to put teams into context, right? Like where this is what they normally do. Here's the set they're running. That way, when you're setting it up for your readership or, or the people watching the videos, they understand the context of everything. Um, but the industry itself is weird, right? So what would it take, like the Athletic, ESPN, if anybody came a knocking, would you, would you listen? I mean, you'd probably obviously listen. But is, is Hoop, Hoop Vision the dream or is there more to it than this? So yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I first of all, I, I'm pretty honest and can say there really hasn't been uh, all that much interest from like the Athletic or ESPN or uh, or a site like that. I mean, it's probably bad for business to say <laughs> to say that, but uh, it's it uh, hasn't really been something that I've thought a lot about. Um, the the uh, the people that have reached out are a, a lot of coaches you know there's always kind of some coaching opportunities out there which i think i was alluding to a little bit is is at this point um probably not the the direction that i'm looking in and uh and then also uh the the thing the decisions that have had to be made are there there has been some like basketball specific companies or sponsors uh, within the college basketball industry that that have reached out and so that with that you kind of start getting into the like you don't want to compromise your your content to to pub a specific like video software mm-hmm. or something you know something like that uh and i could see that being the same if um if some national media entity uh was was uh interested in hoop vision but i do think that like 
there's there are a few different parts of the business. Uh, there's kind of this uh, private in the background uh, consulting thing that that's going on, and so I could see uh, that there uh, that like how uh, Ken Pomeroy writes for for the Athletic, but he still has his site. Um, again, I'm, I don't want to be disingenuous. It's not like I've I've been approached with with that kind of opportunity. Um, but it would at least be considered. Yeah, totally. Like leave your your options over. I mean, you know, it's really impressive that you said because you're not a traditional journalist that you said basically you said you want to do sponsored content, which is when I did my website, we turned it down every single time. Probably cost me lots of money um, because the integrity is important, right? Like if you're saying to your 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 readership, your your the people that watch, I don't know what do you, what do you call people that watch video? Your your viewership i guess audience your audience whatever yeah. your audience like that you you don't want to be disingenuous when you go yeah this 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 product here that i'm being paid to promote is really awesome when you don't really have any idea if it's awesome or <laughs> anything like that mm-hmm. um so i only have a couple more questions for you i'm gonna let you have to hook easy here to end the show Uh, what's your favorite website to visit? Doesn't have to be sports related. Just favorite website to visit. Well, Kempom was definitely the first thing that that crossed my mind when you asked that question, and then and then said, "Doesn't have to be sports sports related." Uh, I'm trying to think of no a, porn. You can't say a porn site. This is you know suitable for children listening. I'm trying to. I guess. I guess YouTube, just <laughs> in general for for non sports. Uh, I've I've gotten a little bit into like politics and uh, some some other things. I don't know music. I I I really am like all basketball all the time. It's a little nutty, but but if if I'm trying to take a break from basketball, I'm probably going on YouTube. Yeah, I used to make. I have two daughters. I used to make fun of them for being on YouTube during their free time, and now I find myself also on YouTube um, watching the not just. Like, there's stuff I'll search out that I want to see on YouTube or whatever. But then there's, like, you found this weird rabbit hole on the on YouTube where it says, like, oh, suggested things. And all of a sudden, you're you're finding out about a group of people that believe that there used to be giants on Earth. Um, <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll do that for, for hours. Um, what's your favorite podcast to listen to? My favorite podcast? I have been really enjoying... Uh, Nate Duncan and John Hollinger just started a podcast maybe like a month or two ago, uh, and I, I uh, am am pretty uh, devoted to college basketball. I, I uh, uh, it's funny. I think every assistant coach. So there's three assistants on on uh, a staff. So you get a, a good little variety of the staff you're working for, and every single one like. Uh, a year after working with me was like just just go to the NBA. Just go, you know, like that's every every single one that was their advice. And I was like, nah, I I don't. I'm I'm a college guy. Um, so yeah, I've I've kind of had people try to push me into that direction, but uh, uh, I I do find it that podcast interesting. Hollinger worked in the league for I want to say like seven years or something, and. Uh, I've been I've been learning a little bit from how they like weave in those stories uh, of of his time in in the front office for the podcast I'm doing right now with with Gibson Piper. Um, so that I'd say 
them or that that one is is one of the only ones in season things change a little bit out of the season when i have more time that i'm like trying to listen to right away all right yeah i mean i haven't listened to that podcast yet uh maybe i will now uh i don't like sports heavy podcasts i'm a weird person what's who's your uh your favorite college basketball writer or reporter or podcaster uh, not so, and just or you could just pick like some of them are separate some of them do all of them so like any just but one person yeah um i feel like i'm gonna leave someone out here but don't name a bunch of people you can't cop out i know you don't want to <laughs> offend one people. one person one person i don't i know you don't want to offend anybody but there's probably gonna be one like you like yeah you well I'll, I'll i'll be again totally honest and the first person that uh that popped into my head was rob doster uh he's doing a youtube channel this year uh that i think is is pretty cool because he's got like like he'll 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 include like an interview with a coach in it or just quotes from when he was talking to a coach and then he'll do some film and then he'll be a talking head for a little while and so it's like elements of some of the stuff i do but with other elements that might have more broader appeal than than, than Hoop Vision, uh, so I've been interested in that. Yeah, and, I've uh, seen it. That's like a little TV show he has going on there. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and then I do like his his uh, when he when he goes deep on uh, on what, what I think it's what is it college basketball talk the, the NBC site he he'll do some uh, good deep dives into that. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, he was he was the first guy that popped up. I, I there might be someone else I'm I'm missing, but but he does good work. And sneaky handsome, Rob Dostoevsky. <laughs> uh, don't tell Rob I said that. I know he already has a big head. Uh, who's your favorite non-college basketball writer or reporter? Make it non-sports. I don't know if you read fiction or read. I know you mentioned before politics. Your favorite non-sports writer? Well. I'll try to come up with a non-sports writer for you, but I I can tell you this: uh, what in high school when I was like trying to uh, figure out how what my blog and and Hoop Vision, uh, there were two writers that I that were like my favorite, I guess. Um, John Gassaway is one. I, he uses words that I don't know what they mean <laughs> a lot of times, and I I've, I was and the Tuesday Truths. I don't know if he still does them. That that uh that he used to do like that i was actually oh there's th- there's three writers john gassaway kyle welliston at the at the mid-majority uh, who just relaunched a little bit here on on twitter he was another writer um who i who i felt like i learned a lot from like the way that they wrote about basketball and then a baseball writer was i might be butchering his name but carson sistuli at at Fangraphs. Uh, he kind of reminded me of of John Gassaway a little bit. Like they're funny, and but they were data oriented. And I'm not like any of those three. <laughs> I'm just super super tacked about the what's going on on the floor. And um, if if I ever include a uh, try to include a big word, Edgar who who edits some stuff usually tells me that it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I. Uh, I remember feeling like I was learning a lot from from those three non-sports. I don't know who who who's yours. <laughs> who's mine? Oh, I mean, I like I like I like reading fiction. I like tropey answers like Stephen King or Jack Kerouac. Uh, reporting, I mean, writing wise, um, 
man, it gets tough. Like, I've been reading some weird fiction, not weird fiction, Furious Hours. I'm going to forget. Uh, Casey Sepp, she wrote a book called Furious Hours. Um, it's basically about, you know, this murder and then Harper Lee trying to cover it and then fail. It's like two stories in one, and it's I can't recommend it enough. Um, she's a young writer. She's going to probably be a superstar. Uh, so, yeah, probably Casey Sepp right now is my favorite non-sports writer. She does some stuff for, like, you know, opinion stuff for, like, whatever, the New York Times and other places, too. I've been I've been trying to get I, – I was a pretty good reader in uh, maybe, like, college or, you know, so four or five years ago now. And I've, I've fallen off a little bit, and I was determined to get into it during the offseason, and it didn't really happen. Uh, so I might need I might need some – I read a lot of nonfiction, but I think maybe the I, I need some like a, a a fiction gateway to to get me back in. So I might uh, I might come asking you for some suggestions. Listen, I mean the Stephen King stuff. You could read the short stories that you can't really go wrong. But like Casey, like that Casey Sapp's really good. Um, I anymore what I do, I just ask on Twitter for suggestions because I don't know like who's the hot up and coming uh, like fiction writers. But somebody always figures them out and they'll tell you and then. More than not, like they're really good. Uh, last question for you, though I feel like your answer is going to be like nothing. Um, assuming <laughs> you have free time, what do you do? Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, all these questions led up to a lot of the that, things that, that, yeah, nothing. Well, there, there's an answer to this that is going to be only partially satisfying. It's the answer is pick up basketball, <laughs> <laughs> so still basketball, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I try to still play twice a week during during the season. A lot of times it ends up only being one time a week. But I to be specific here, like the Virginia Tech Michigan State video that I did this week, I finished that at four thirty a.m. Uh, what was it? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, I don't even know. Monday, Tuesday, whenever it was at four thirty a.m. Uh, so yeah, I. I still my my issue the reason why first of all I'm a slow worker to begin with like in school I was always the last person to hand in a test even if I regardless of if I knew the material or not I just am a slow worker uh, but then I also have this uh, bad habit of like I still kind of treat things like I'm a coach which like the standard for understanding what went on in a game or what a team is trying to do is much higher when you have actual like a game at stake like you have to scout and uh t tell the players what's going on and so i i am like i still kind of treat it like that even though it's probably not making the video or the content that much better <laughs> by, go <laughs> by going that deep uh and so that's something that maybe in a few years from now when i'm more removed from coaching i i'll be a little bit more efficient uh but the fun part about working for yourself and and using Substack and the, the kind of the monetization aspects is that when you do stay up till 4:30 a.m., the the results are good the next day. So it's not it did, it doesn't go for nothing. Like, and I'm definitely not complaining about it uh, because I'm I'm excited at the growth and and to keep working hard. I guess you uh, you danced around the. T are you any good at basketball? <laughs> like you kind of you're like i play basketball then you went into this whole other skill <laughs> as if to quickly get away from the basketball conversation so i play in a men's league on uh on sundays i live in albany new york and the men's league is loaded with 
former college and pro players. It's like probably one of the better better leagues in the area. And uh, I I had a horrible season uh, last year and was ready to not play in it, but I bounced back and uh, I, I, I aver- the, the, we're going we're heading into the playoffs now. So. Um, the the season's over. They've got a website with the stats, and I, I averaged twenty six a game this season. So um, get out. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a team name? The team name is our captain's last name, so it's not uh, exciting. <laughs> I, I mean, if you weren't a coward, you would tweet it out so we could all follow along. Your your trials and tribulations as <laughs> the free throw percentage, right? With in in, in tune with solving <laughs> basketball, the free. I think that's what people would like to see: the free throw percentage. All right, Jordan. Thanks for coming. Why don't you tell the people where they could find you at? All your your Substack, Twitter. I don't know if you have an Instagram. Everything they could find you at. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, thank you very much for having me. Got got me out of my element a little bit. I like it. Um, so I, I am HoopVision68 on Twitter. Uh, the Substack link is in the bio there. It's, it's HoopVision.Substack.com. And, uh, and I guess the only other thing, well, uh, I, did, I did just kind of recently start a, uh, a podcast with Gibson Piper called The Big Game Pod, where we pick a college basketball matchup every week and, and break it down. So I'll, I'll plug that too. Hopefully it's just all Anthony Lamb games. <laughs> yeah, I think uh Anthony Lamb will be coming to uh will be coming to Albany this year uh, as as Vermont always does. I think I might be at that game actually. You should I mean, have you seen Anthony Lamb in person yet? I know I'm keeping you longer now. We were trying to get out, but have you seen him in person yet? I haven't. I haven't. Oh man, he's I mean, for a a low, like AAC basketball, but he's a beast. That kid's a beast. I know Albany's always usually pretty strong. Will Brown has a good program and all that stuff, but that kid is special. He's He's like, uh, I'm not putting down Jamil Warney because Jamil Warney's like an all-time AAC player, but he's like Jamil Warney with a jumper. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's a, he's an Albany City Rocks guy, so he's got Albany Albany ties and uh, and Vermont in general. They're they're as good as an America East team as. Oh, they're as like a mini. Been. He has a John Becker has like a mini dynasty going on over there right now. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. All right, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Joseph Nardone. Uh, if you're here, you obviously know where my Substack is. We said Substack a lot. I promise this wasn't sponsored by them. Um, <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you, Joseph. I appreciate it.